The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke 9, Luke chapter 9. Man, um, senior year. Anybody, anybody know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anybody going far for college? Anybody know where they're going? No. Sorry, you got, huh? Fishing? Oh, FSU. <laughs> probably have a degree for that. No, that's awesome. FSU, that'd be great. You got months, you got a couple months, plenty of days and hours to figure this out. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Cool. Did anybody, did y'all watch the Super Bowl? Some of you didn't. Of course. (laughs) Are you for real a Patriots fan or just, yeah. Yeah. They're, man... They should have won. Yeah. But it was like, I don't know if it was like Belichick and Brady got together and like, man, this is boring. You know what we haven't done? We haven't had the greatest comeback ever. Let's do that. That's how it felt. Like somewhere around the third quarter. It's like, man, they're just going to do this. Did say again? You're right. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, because what, what are some people going to say about Tom Brady? Cheater. Deflator. But these to go. This is the greatest of all time, right? I mean, you can not like them, but I mean, it's stupid how good they are. I mean, it's just stupid. But yeah, yeah, but people, you know, it's funny because you bring it up and yeah, like people got so many different opinions about them, right? Like cheater, whatever, then. And we're not going to do this, but like, I mean, think about the last couple, the current and the last president, right? I mean, people have got totally different views right and all over the place and you think and you think i didn't hear what he said but that's okay uh you think you know when, when you when, when we do that you know, so ask about tom brady ask about you know what do you think about it president whatever it says something about them but but it says a little bit of something about you too depending on your perspective what you think where you're from how you're raised like what team you root for right and then but i think and how, how much more important, how much more important what we say about Jesus, how we view Jesus. Because, man, you can and, and, there's, throw those other three people out the window. Like, I mean, there is all kinds of opinions and views on who Jesus is, who he was, what he did, right? And you've probably, just even in your time, you've probably heard all kinds of different ideas about Jesus, Maybe in your own life, if you, as you struggle through, like, what do I think about this guy? Who was he? Did he really do these things? Did he really live? Is he who he claimed to be? Is he who other people say he is? I mean, but ultimately, what, what you think about Jesus, what you say about Jesus, it means everything for who you are. It really does. So... Luke 9, look at verse 18. Now it happened that as he, as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him. You know, and sometimes when it talks about disciples, it's talking about uh, like this big crowd of people that were following Jesus. And other times it's talking about more like just the, the 12, 
And it seems like right here, it, it's probably just the, the closer group, the, the smaller group. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Right? So they start, even then, like as Jesus is going around, man, he's teaching, he's doing these miracles. I mean, people are coming for, from all over the place to see him. These crowds are gathering. And so Jesus asks his boys, he's like, man, and this isn't like, Jesus isn't feeling insecure, right? He's not, not like, so, so do you think, like, do people like me? Like, what do you think? Do they, do they like my teaching, my style? Like, do they like that last sermon? Was the fish that I made out of nothing? Do they like that? And he's not feeling insecure. He's saying, like, man, who do they say that I am? What, what are they saying about me? Right? And so he's, they start getting all these opinions. Well, maybe it's John the Baptist, right? Like, maybe, maybe the people didn't believe that he had really had his head cut off. Or, man, it's like this prophecy about Elijah come back, like, you're, you're him raised up. Or just another prophet or the prophet that Moses talked about. And, and so he's getting all these opinions, Right? I think, man, that's, think, think about our world, what our world says about Jesus. Just our culture, which I don't know if you've noticed, but it's becoming like more and more hostile towards Jesus. For a long, for a long time, it was just not everyone surrendered and submitted and believed that Jesus was God, but they still like revered him. Like they were still like, oh, he's a good guy. He was a good teacher. But man, that's quickly changing quickly changing. I mean, they, no one wants anything to do with the name of Jesus. I mean, because they associate that with fill in the blank, but I mean, they, they're hostile against it, just in our culture. I think, man, and this, this was written a long time ago now. Y'all know who C.S. Lewis is? The guy who did the Narnia books? Uh, he wrote a lot of stuff, and one book he wrote was called Mere Christianity, and he, and he said this. Uh, and so, a little bit longer quote, but I want you to hang with me. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. That is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, he'd be crazy... On the same level as a man who said he was a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell, the liar. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open for us. He didn't intend to. Did you get that? So, I mean, you, can't, you can have all these opinions about Jesus, but you can't take a, some sort of middle ground. You can't just say, I mean, Jesus is a good guy. I appreciate that. I mean, he said he had some good stuff to say, but I'm not going to submit to him as Lord. And you can't just stay there. Jesus didn't, he didn't leave room for that. He didn't leave room for saying, yeah, I mean, Jesus, he died on the cross for my sin, and I believe that, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. But, man, Jesus, is, I mean, he's not trying to, like, tell me how to live my life. He's not trying to, like, be my boss. He's not trying to be my Lord. Like, he wants me to be happy, and he's given me these desires and these feelings and these dreams, and he wants me to chase that. 
Jesus is in my corner. Like, he didn't leave that open. And so he's saying, what you need to recognize is, man, either, either Jesus is God, either Jesus is God who became a human being, lived a perfect, sinless life, man, obeyed the Father by the power of the Spirit in everything. Everything he said, everything he thought, everything he did, honored the Father. Never yielded to sin. Although he was tempted in every way as we are, he never surrendered to it. And then, man, as this perfect sacrifice, intentionally lays down his life to take the wrath that you and I deserve so that he could absorb it, satisfy it, extinguish it, and rise again. And right now sits enthroned in heaven. And either you fall down and worship Him as God and surrender your life to Him and and do life, do Christianity, be a follower on His terms. Surrender, because He is boss, He is Lord, He is Master. Or, reject Him and say, man, it's crazy. Crazy. Or he's a liar. Or his boys lied about him after he was gone. But he's not a risen Savior. Surrender or reject. But say this. Don't reject him. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Right? Because there's no other hope. There's no other gospel. There's no other Savior. There's no other name under heaven, given among men by which you would be saved, but the name of Jesus. So please don't reject him. Don't do that. And don't, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that this life is all about you. Don't believe the lie that you can be your own God. Which most people don't like to say that out loud, right? I hope. Right? But we act like it. You ever think about this? Like, what, what was the first sin that we as humans committed? What was the first sin humans committed? What's that? Disobedience, right? But what, what do they do? They, they took the forbidden fruit, right? God said, don't eat. God gave them this, like, planet of yes and one tree of no. And what do we do? We've got to try that, Right? Well, but what was, the, what was the lie that Satan told our first parents? What were they tempted with? He said, man, if you... He, he asked Eve, he says, and did God really say you can't, can't eat this? And he said, well, we can eat anything we want, but we can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and then she adds to it a little bit. She said, we're not allowed to touch that tree. Satan so said, man, you won't die. If God told you you would die. You're not going to die if you eat this. In fact... What the serpent said is, you'll be like God. Remember that? Said, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So what was the temptation? To try a new piece of fruit? No. The temptation was, man, you'll be like God. You'll be able to define good and evil for your life. You determine what you want to do with your, with your body, with your time, with your relationships. You do that. That's your, man, we bit right into that lie. We bit right into it, right? And it poisoned all of us. Man, we still battle that lie. It's the same lie, right? It hasn't changed. The temptation is still that you do life on your own. That you do what you want to do. That you be who you want to be. 
Think what you want to think, say what you want to say, experience what you want to experience with whoever you want to do it with. And you determine if that's right and wrong. And, we, and then we come to Jesus like that. And we say, you know what I want from Jesus? I want salvation. I don't want to go to hell. But, then, but if I'm going to follow Jesus, it'll be on my terms. Man, all that is is biting into that same lie over and over and over again. And Jesus didn't leave it open for that. That's not why he came. He came to free us from that lie. Because what we think as freedom, that's sad, right? Typically, I mean, if, I, if I ask a group of people, like, what does it mean to be free? We have a very American idea of freedom, right? Do what I want, right? I mean, watch commercials. That's all it is, right? Like just be who you want, do what you want. That's freedom. The Bible doesn't call that freedom. A slavery to sin. Doing what you want is giving into sin. It means you're a slave to your desires. You're a slave to your flesh. You're a slave to lies. And the worst kind of slavery, the worst kind of slavery is thinking you're free when you're not. That's horrible, man. That's where so many people who even name the name of Jesus live their life. Enslaved to sinful desires. Thinking they're free. Thinking they're pursuing the best in life. And all they're doing is holding on with a white-knuckled death grip to death, corruption, judgment. I just met you guys, but I don't want that for you. <laughs> I just met you. We've been praying for y'all because we take this serious. And I don't want that. Jesus came to truly set us free. But to be free, to truly be free, here's what it means. It means being who you were created to be. Being the person that God knit you together inside your mother's womb when he was knitting you together. Personally, like God doing that, putting together you. When he was doing that, he, he has a plan for you. It's a purpose for your life. Being free is being the person God made you to be. Not living in rebellion to it. So Jesus asked me, what do people say about me? Because that says everything about them. Because then he says this to his disciples. They tell him all these wrong ideas. Verse 20. Then he, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Awesome, right? He got it right. (laughs) He got it right. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the promised king. But listen to what Jesus says next. Kind of strange. Verse 21, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Is it weird that he told them, hey, don't tell anybody? I think it's weird. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Tell everybody, right? Like, why is he telling them not to say it if it's true? Because... All Jesus has been doing since he started his ministry is doing things that prove that he's the Messiah. He goes around proving that he's the Christ. Why is he telling them to be quiet? Right? Like, secrets weren't made for, like, good things. Right? Right, Rob? Yeah. Right. Have you all seen the... (laughs) Have you all ever seen those uh, hearing aid commercials? These are funny. Have you ever seen those? There's one, I don't know if it's... 
we haven't had TV in years. We just have uh, Netflix. We have a TV, but it's just Netflix. So it's funny because when my kids go to their cousin's house, they're like, what are these things like? They keep stopping the cartoon, and then there's like like just these things, and they're talking about cereal. I'm like, oh, a commercial, right? Um, no clue. They're like, how come I can't just keep watching Voltron over and over again? Like, uh, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Anyway, but yeah, have you ever said, I remember this one commercial for hearing aids, and it's, it's, it's funny because they're not only trying to sell them to, like, uh, old people who are losing their hearing, but they're just trying to, like, sell it to everybody. So they're like, they got, there's, like, a guy using the hearing aid, and he's out in the woods, and he's, like, in camo, but he's, like, kneeling down, but he, and he doesn't even have a gun, but he's, like, listening. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to hear, like, a caribou. Like, what are you doing? Like, just kneeling in the woods. And then they have, uh, this is the best part. So there's, uh, there's these two girls sitting on the beach, Right, and they're just sitting there, like soaking in the sun. And then there's this other girl that walks by, and she's got the hearing aid in, and she's walking by, like doing her. Well, I'm sorry for doing that. <laughs> Incident security. Uh, <laughs> she's walking by, like a girl walks, and uh, and like the one late girl, like whispers to her friend, she's like, she has an amazing body. I wish I looked like that. And you know, the late girl with the hearing aid just smiles and was like, time out. Yeah, that's what she said, right? Like, they didn't invent whispering for compliments, right? Like, like when you see somebody whispering to somebody and then they look at you and chuckle, what do you assume? Yeah, yeah. Like, there goes Rob. I can tell he's been working out. Wouldn't want him to hear me, though. No, what do you say? Like, look at Rob. He had biscuits and gravy again, right? Like, yeah, like they didn't. In, so it's like, man, what's going on? Like, why does he want him to keep the good news quiet? What's, and it's, it's this reason, because he's about to redefine even for them. He's going to redefine because when Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, he still has a jacked up view of what that means. And so that's important for us to, to feel the weight of that, because if the guys walking around with Jesus still don't have a good idea about who he is, we better make sure that we're, man, we're listening to Jesus, that we are worshiping the right Jesus, that, that man, we n- understand who he is, because it's only, oh, get this, it's only when you have a right view of Jesus that you'll be willing to surrender your life to him. If you have a low view of Jesus, of course you're not going to surrender to him. Why would I sacrifice all these dreams and desires that I want in, in doing what makes me feel good right here if I don't understand there's something so much greater and bigger than I can possibly imagine? I need to know who Jesus is. So that's why he says, he says, all right, don't say anything because what the people think is I'm here to free him from Rome. And I'm not here to free him from Rome. I'm here to free him from Satan, from sin, and from hell. And that's much bigger than being relieved for 40 years of oppression from Rome. So, so don't tell him yet. Because then what Jesus does, he teaches them. He says this, here's who your Messiah is. The Son of Man, and y'all heard that last night, right? What does that mean? When he says Son of Man, that's packed full of stuff, right? What's he saying about himself? I'm God. I'm God. I'm the Ancient of Days. I'm the creator of universes, right? Like, I spoke... (laughs) the universe into existence, and I sustain it by the power of my word. Jesus saying, I'm, I'm him. The son of man, but here's where it just should blow their minds. The son of man must suffer. He must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. 
blow their minds, right? For us, like, we know, we know the end of the story. But try to put yourself in their p- position. Not just so you know, like, what they would feel like, but so you get the main point of the teaching. He's redefining what it means. He's saying, I'm your God. But what you need to understand is I came to save you. I came to rescue you. Because you're not free. You're not good. The things that you want to do, they're not right. Who you are has been totally corrupted by sin. And in order for me to rescue you, to truly set you free, I must suffer. I must die. But don't worry. I'm going to rise up. Not like the falcons, but like only God can do. Like Truly rise up. So they didn't get it. But then he says this. It's awesome. So he tells them who he is. I'm God. I'm going to lay down my life. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life and the power to take it back up. And that's where C.S. Lewis is right. Either he's crazy, either he is absolutely nuts, or he's God. And he said, I'm, I'm, I will go into death. I will go into death and I will kill death. So that death can't hold you. That, that's a pretty good God. That's a good God. I will go into death for you. I'll take on your death. I'll satisfy the hell that you deserve. I'll absorb it, take it, extinguish it. And then I'll face off one-on-one with death. And I'll kill death so that when you die, it can't touch you. It can't hold you. You'll pass right through death. Man, that's a good God. We don't deserve that. We are his enemies. God showed his love for you. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, he loves us. Man, he wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. But you got to believe it. You got to believe that his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. Because he's not just looking at this moment right now. He's not just looking at who you are for the next 10 years. He's not just thinking about what it's going to be when you're a husband or a wife or a dad or a mom. He's not just thinking about what career you're going to have. He's thinking about who you are 10,000 years from now in eternity. He's thinking about the joy and the pleasure that he has to give back to us that we lost in the garden and that he wants us to have it all. Don't trade that in for momentary pleasure. Don't trade that in for the lie that you can be your own God. Don't do that. Don't keep going back to that same lie. Because Jesus is going to lay out what it means to be a disciple. He's going to lay out what it means to be a Christian. He's going to tell us the terms like, okay, I'm going to offer salvation and it's free. I'll do the work. But you better understand it's on his terms. And he doesn't rescue people so they can go right back to sin. He doesn't do that. Listen to what he says. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, If anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, if anyone would be a Christian, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's intense. I mean, maybe maybe you're familiar with, with this story. Maybe you're familiar with this teaching. This is intense. So if you're going to be a Christian, deny yourself. Jesus saves us. That's his work. And we're saved by faith through grace or by grace through faith. Grace and faith, he saves us, right? We don't bring any work to the table. But we need to know this. 
he doesn't, he doesn't save us just to set us free to do what we want. He's calling followers. He's making disciples. He says, deny yourself. So what does that mean? It's kind of weird, right? Deny yourself. So you, y'all know Peter, right? Remember Peter? Remember they come to arrest Jesus? Yeah, man, he, he, he pulls out the sword, right? He's ready to go to battle. Now, is he aiming for the dude's ear? No, he's, he's going to take that guy's head off, but he's a fisherman. You know, I was like, but still, I mean, I mean, he, and he's taking on, he's like, he, at that moment, he's willing to take on Rome. It's intense. He loves Jesus. But then, right, Jesus is like, no, Peter, and picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on, which you would think at that moment that all those guards would be like, switching teams, switching teams. We're with you. Can we follow you? Awesome. Hey, Judas is not your buddy, right? Like, but how blind sin can make you, right? Like, is they, Jesus puts the dude's ear back on his head and they're like, no, come with us. Anyway. And so a few hours later, right, Jesus is arrested and, that, and all the momentum has changed. And it looks like I mean, they're going to kill Jesus. Remember, and Peter is brave enough to follow to one point and he's warming himself by the fire. You remember somebody says, hey, I know you. You follow Jesus. And what does Peter do? He denies him, right? What's he say? I don't know him. I don't know him. No, you got the wrong guy. I, don't, I, don't, I do not know Jesus. He rejects Jesus. He distanced himself from Jesus. He doesn't want to be identified with Jesus. Man, and you know that story, right? Jesus, after he pays for Peter's sins, rises again, and then he restores Peter. Man, just awesome. Peter ends up giving his life for the gospel, not just by dying, but by living every day for the gospel and then dying for it. Awesome story, right? But that same idea. When Jesus says, you're going to have to deny you. What's he saying? So, man, when, when I receive salvation, what I daily have to do is deny who I was. I no longer identify with that guy. I reject that person, that Rob. I don't know that guy anymore. I don't want what he wants. I don't want to be identified. I don't, I, I don't want people to associate me with who I used to be. I don't want to do that. I don't want those thoughts anymore. I don't want those desires anymore. I don't, I don't want to pursue those things anymore. I reject that. Why? Because I want to be identified with Jesus. I accept Jesus and he redefines who I am. He gives me a new nature. He tells me, man, I'm his child. I go from being an enemy of God to a son by adoption, a son of the Most High. Totally redefines who I am. And that I accept. So, I mean, you're going to have to do that, though, daily. Why? Because we're still in this flesh. We're still in this body. And that poison of that first lie, man, still courses through these veins. And, and you will battle. You'll battle the old you. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because one of the things you're going to have to do every day is deny you. And that'll be your hardest battle. Your biggest battle isn't against Satan. He's real and he's evil. I'm not diminishing that. But he was disarmed at the cross. You have to put you to death. And here's what's awesome. There's a lot of awesome things being said from Jesus right here. What, man, this is amazing. 
Jesus showed us how to do this. Jesus didn't have to deny anything sinful, right? Like, he's holy, he's pure, he's good. But what did he deny himself of? Y'all remember the sermon last night? Philippians 2? He humbled himself and he denies himself the throne, the glory, the worship. He left that to come rescue us. What's he shown us? Man, how to deny yourself. For what? Because we could talk about the negative side of like, what does it mean to deny yourself? And we, and we should. Like, we need to put sin to death. But, there, but that's not where we focus. That's not where we set our eyes. We set our eyes on Jesus. And we set our eyes on his example. How did Jesus deny himself? By humbling himself to serve others. That our God, who alone is worthy of worship, denied himself that worship so he could serve us with grace and mercy. So how do we deny ourselves? Get busy. Get busy loving people. Get busy serving people. What's Jesus calling us to? Action. Deny yourself. Don't live for you. Live for others. You've been given this grace, this mercy, this forgiveness, this love. Now go share it with others. Deny yourself. Whatever, whatever thoughts you had about what your life would be like that were all focused and centered on you, deny that and get busy serving other people. Live for other people. Love other people, just like Jesus did. It says, daily take up your cross. Take up your cross. So for us, right, the cross is victory. This side of it, like we know, the cross is hope, it's love, it's God's grace and mercy being poured out. It's a sign of victory. When he says this to Peter and the boys, what are they thinking? Torture. Execution. Suffering, right? Excruciating pain. You know that word, the excruciating? Have you ever used it? Like stub your toe? Ah, hurts. Excruciating. You know what it literally means? It means from the cross. It's a word that was made up because when people experience seeing somebody crucified... I mean, the, the pain that that person is going through, there's no other word to describe it. Like agony doesn't do it. Horrific doesn't do it. So they made up a word from the cross. There's nothing else like it. Excruciating. I try not to say it anymore. <laughs> like reserve that for what Jesus went through. He says, take up your cross. What's he saying? Is Jesus calling us to embrace our best life now? Is Jesus calling us to seek riches and comfort above all else? Now he's saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me to the cross and to the grave and into glory. But we don't get to follow him without the cross. These are his terms. This is Jesus defining what it means to be a Christian. And he says, you're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to embrace suffering. Because if this world hated me... It'll love you and think you're great. No. If this world hated me, they'll hate you. If we're willing, because of the grace and mercy we've been given, if we're willing to share that, then some people are going to receive it and believe and be set free, and other people will absolutely hate us for the message of Christ. And he's saying, buckle up. Pick up your cross. Embrace suffering. Embrace whatever it is. 
then there's people, Christians on this planet right now, who will die for the gospel. Right? There's people right now in Islamic countries that, man, love those people. Man, and we get awesome reports. We got missionaries that go to those places, and they talk about how hospitable the people are and how many of those people love them. Man, and they build relationships, and it's awesome. But there are some people there that will kill you for naming Jesus. Why would somebody go there and say Jesus? Why would somebody be willing to risk their life so that other people can hear about Jesus? What are they getting out of that? What are they going to get out of that? They're picking up the cross. And they realize, man, that eternity is theirs. And why would we not go tell people who don't know about Jesus? Why would we not share the hope of the gospel to know that there is one true God and he loves us, but we can't earn our way to him. We can't be good enough. We can't obey enough. Man, we are guilty. We are under the curse of sin and we can't free ourselves. And so he came to free us and he did it. But when he calls us to follow him, he's serious. So why would we not, man, why would we not share that hope? People are willing to die for it. And it shouldn't just be like in our minds, like super Christian. You know, the, the, the missionary that's willing to lose their head to tell people about Jesus, you know what they are? They're just a follower of Jesus. They've just embraced their cross every day, and that's where it's led them. And maybe for you, it won't. And maybe you'll stay in this country and live a normal life and support missionaries and tell your neighbors and tell your family about Jesus. Maybe that's what he calls you to, but they're still going to be suffering. You're going to battle against temptation to sin. You're going to fight to deny yourself. I mean, you will be marginalized for being a believer. Our culture is changing quickly. You better be willing to accept that. Be okay with it. They hated Jesus. They're going to hate us. Take up your cross and follow me. Follow me. Pattern your life after the life of Jesus. Be like Jesus. Mind-blowing, right? Like, he's saying, yeah, be like me. Live how I live. Care about what I care about. What did Jesus care about? Worshiping and meeting people's needs. Loving people with the gospel. See him set free from sin and its effects. Live like Jesus. Because then he says this. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Have you ever thought about that? Kind of like this paradox thing going on. I don't know what paradox means, but it sounds smart. This is paradox. I'm confused. Um, He's saying, man, if if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life, for Christ's sake, you'll find it. Does anybody have a rope? I got this illustration, but I... You know what? Hold on. Hey. I was going to have to awkwardly walk away one way or the other. All right, so I got this illustration. I stole it from some guy. Um, It helps me understand this verse. So, but I need you to use your imagination a bit, okay? So, I want you to pretend that... Oh, I didn't coil this. Here we go. I want you to pretend, let's say it this way. Pretend that end of the rope... Uh, 
I know. I was going to recoil it, but it looked like it was done all right. Here we go. Hold on. I'm about to blow your minds. So use your imagination. <laughs> so what you need to do is pretend that that end of the rope has no end. Okay? It just keeps going on forever. Can you do that? Can you go there in your mind? Goes on forever. Okay. Now pretend this piece right here with the tape. I want you to think, man, that represents your life here on earth. Okay? So you're born right here and die right here. Okay? So this is your life here on earth. So some of us would have like four tape, some less mostly determined by genetics, you know. Conti's, that's my last name. We, ours is probably around here somewhere. So, so, my wife's family, they live into their 90s, so I have a good life insurance policy. I'll take care of her. Anyway, born somewhere around here, you're going to die somewhere around here, right? So, and then, you know, it's just filled up these moments. So Jesus is saying, he's saying this. And the, the world's not going to understand this. The world's not going to understand this. Because they see it exactly opposite. And some people that you know that claim to be Christians aren't going to understand this. Because what Jesus is saying is this. He said, man, if you try to save your life, if you try to live your life for these little moments right here and right now, you're going to lose all of this. You're going to lose all of this. All of eternity, you're going to forfeit. You're going to trade it in for this relationship. For giving into that desire. You're going to forfeit all of it. If you try to save your life, if you try to hold on to it right here and right now, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it, for my sake, joy and pleasure at his right hand forevermore. Man, because here's what's sad. Here's what's crazy. To me, this is crazy. It's called the American dream. Y'all know it? Here it is, right? That, that mo- most everyone would say, be, be generous. Most everyone in the room is somewhere around here. Long way to go, right? You guys are about to have this huge transition in your life, and hopefully you've done well, like you've prepared, studied hard, got good grades, made good decisions, <laughs> uh, hopefully, right? Like, so, so here's the American dream. So go to college, right? Go to college. Get good grades, right? Go into a field. Do what you want to do. Do what you desire, do what makes you happy. So prepare for that. And along the way, like, I mean, work hard, but don't get crazy. I mean, have some fun, experience new things. You're going to want to, like, you know, see what type of person you, you know, like, that you're compatible with. And so you probably want to try out as many different people on as possible to see what you, what you want to spend more time with. You know, so, so do that right in here. And then, you know, find that person maybe. And, you know, and then so when you get that job, when you land that career that's going to make you wealthy and comfortable, you can maybe get married somewhere right around in here and get, get a nice house, uh, four bedroom, three bath. Make sure you have, make sure you're a multi-car family, right? That uh, new car, new car smell all the time, every few months, you know, air conditioning, the whole nine yards. Or you're going to want that right in here, especially if you're going to have kids. You want to be able to provide for them, take care of them, offer them security. And so work hard, make, make good money, enjoy it, go on vacations, make sure you see places, man, and and just enjoy that. But be wise, be smart. You're going to want to put some money back, right? You need to put some money back. You need to put it in a 401k or a Roth thingy, right? So put, you put money in that because here's, here, here's the ultimate goal 
of the American dream. Are you all with me so far? Does this sound familiar? Give or take some things. Here's the ultimate goal of the American dream. That right here, if you do it all well, if you play your cards right, then you get a life full of experiences. And right here, right at the end, right before you're back in diapers, here's the American dream. You can retire. And if your stocks did well, you can buy an RV. And you, some of us are closer than others. <laughs> you can travel these United States, see the sights, eat at every Golden Corral along the way. Hey, teach his own, teach his own. And then right here, right? Then what? What does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter if you gain the whole world? You forfeit your soul. What does it matter if you accomplish everything you want to accomplish right here and you ignore and reject Jesus and you forfeit all of this? What does it matter? The Bible says this life is but a vapor. It's here for a second and it's gone. But what you do here will matter for eternity. What you believe here matters for eternity. What you say about Jesus matters for all of eternity. Don't trade in eternal life with Jesus forever in his presence, worshiping God, finally forever free from any remnant of sin, being who you were created to be, a worshiper of Jesus. Don't trade that in for these little moments. And the world thinks that that's crazy. The world will think it's crazy if you go somewhere and tell people about Jesus and you lose your head. They'll think, what a waste. Because they don't get it. Because I think that's crazy. That is crazy. It's crazy to live for comfort. It's crazy to live for joy now because it's temporary. Because rust is going to eat that stuff up. Moths are going to come in and destroy it. It will not last. That momentary pleasure will leave you empty and hollow. And your relationships will crumble and destroy, be destroyed if they're not built on Jesus. And nothing will matter. No amount of money will matter. No amount of experiences will make one second of hell worth it. We don't have to do that. Jesus came to set us free from that lie. And here's what's awesome. Man, I I have a family. I'm married. I'm buying a house. The bank technically owns it. I'm making payments. Got a Toyota Sienna. 2006. Push a button, the door opens. My mom got in it (laughs) over Christmas. It was a pretty new van for us. And, uh, and she got in and she was trying to figure out like how to, she couldn't see, she didn't see the door handle. And I was like, all, all you have to do is wave your hand. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, just wave your hand at it. Like, like, like Luke Skywalker, wave your hand. And she's like, what? And she did that and I hit the button in the door. And she's like, oh, this is nice. I said, wave it again. She's like, hit the button again, it closed. She's like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. It's pretty fancy. But my wife told my wife's a lot nicer than me. It's like, 
Stop. Um, what am I saying? Let me know. What am I saying? <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Is, is it bad to have a job and make money? Is it bad to want to have a family? Is it bad to own a home? And is it bad to put money away from what, for, for when you can't work anymore? No. But here's the deal. If you do all that for you, it won't, ma- it won't matter at all. It's just empty. It's just you're wasting life. You're holding on to a lie and you're preparing yourself for destruction. But man, if you do all of that with this in view, if you have that family and you have that job and you put money away and it's all in view of the cross and eternity, if you're investing in the kingdom of God, then that fills all of these moments with absolute joy and meaning. And what was once a waste of life becomes eternally valuable. Because, yeah, it does matter what you do here. It matters what you think here. It matters what you say. It matters how you treat people. It can matter for all of eternity. So Jesus says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus lays out the terms for what it means to be a Christian. And, and our prayer is that for this weekend, for you, and as you're about to go through this big transition in life, and that, that you're here for a short time, push back from your life, get free from distractions, get an honest, hard look at Jesus, get an honest, hard look at your life, and ask yourself, man, what, what, what do I live for? What's my purpose? What's my meaning? Do I really believe what Jesus said? Because if I do, if I do, I gotta submit. I gotta surrender. I gotta obey. And what's awesome is He gives us the power to do it. And if not, and that's not where you're at, where you, where you are, man. I, I please, I beg you, please, please trust Jesus. Don't reject Him. Don't reject Him. There's no other hope. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.